Welcome to the Gateway Baptist Church podcast. We're crying out the prayer that the church has prayed for centuries. Come, Holy Spirit. Subscribe for new messages each week and visit gatewaybaptist.com.au to join us as we seek to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. I was, I was just thinking as we were worshipping earlier just how unique it is to do that. You know, like, I, I, like you and I, we all worship every day, I imagine. But we never get to do it like that. We never get to stand with a whole bunch of us together in one room and worship. And I know if you're online with us today, to be a part of that uh, opportunity of worship is also just as special. And so it's, it's great to be able to do that as a church family this morning and to, and to really come into his presence in a really powerful way. Hey, uh, as Sarah said earlier, we're in the, in the middle of a series at the moment called Come Holy Spirit. It's a bit hard to miss. As you walk in the door, you can see it sitting above uh, the entry as you come in. And we're, our hearts as a church is postured towards leaning into what the Holy Spirit would say. Come Holy Spirit isn't really about the Holy Spirit coming as such. He's here. Come Holy Spirit is really a prayer in our heart where we open our heart and say, come in Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. But he's been sent to the earth. He already is in the earth. He, he, he roams the earth. He walks in with us, each one of us every day. Whether you feel him or not today, that's sort of a separate issue. The Holy Spirit is here. And he wants to be as much a part of your life as possible. He wants to be able to show you the goodness of the Father. He wants to be able to teach, show you a story on the inside of who God thinks you are. And little by little, he wants to take our disillusionment. He wants to take the story we have been telling ourselves. And he wants to heal it. He wants to redeem it. He wants to draw you into an intimacy with God that you can walk with God like he is your best friend. And there's something about that this morning I'd love to explore. I'd love to explore what it means to be set free so that our story has been changed on the inside. But also I want to look at what it means then to be sent out because all of us are set free before we are sent out. And the story we're going to look at in the, in the Gospels is exactly that. It's a story where someone is sent and someone is set free, but really both of them are set free to be sent. And so I think there'll be some powerful parallels for us this morning as we open the Word of God. We're not going to the Gospels, we're going to Acts, actually. If you've got your Bible, go to the book of Acts and chapter 8, and we're going to jump into that this morning together. And this is the story. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. 
And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. And when they'd come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. This morning, I believe that God wants to do two things. I think this morning he wants to write a new story in our heart of who we are before him. And some of you, that will be the first time you've heard this gospel message. In other words, you've come in here today saying, I wonder if God is real, and I wonder if he is real, what on earth he'd want to do with me. There's others of us who we've known, we've come to know Jesus, but there's a story inside our heart that just keeps getting in the way of us really seeing him as the God that he is, the goodness of God, the generosity of God, the wonder of God. And I think there's a story that the Holy Spirit would like to rewrite, at least begin the beginnings of a new chapter for you. The second thing I think God wants to do this morning is he wants to renew our sense of mission and call. Do you know each one of us, no matter what you do today, God has called you. Your life is not an accident. There is a purpose for you under heaven and there is a kingdom agenda that he wants to show you that what you do, whatever your vocation is, there is a kingdom purpose that he wants to weave into everything that you do that will energize you, that will actually take away a, a lot of the purposelessness that can often get around the things that become routine and mundane and ultimately at times boring. But I believe in the kingdom of God that God actually has a message for each one of us. Whether today there's a vocation that you pursue, whether today you're a retiree, no matter what it is, purpose in God never runs out. There's always a new season. There's always something that God wants to do. And I think in this story, we're going to see something that will help us do both of those two things. Firstly, Philip was sent. There's no doubt about it. Philip was called by God to go to this desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza, between essentially Jerusalem and Egypt, and stand on this highway. I was told this morning after the 8 a.m. by someone who Googled it that it was 470 miles long, this highway. It's a long, dusty, desert highway. And Philip was called to go and stand by the highway. Why would you go to a place like that? Well, the only reason you would go if you're Philip is because God had sent me there, to that place at that time. But I imagine as Philip got there and stood in that place at that time, it was like, well, what's next? Because God didn't really say, you're going to go here and do there and A, B, C, and D, and then E will happen. It was nothing like that. It was just go and stand by the highway. And while he's standing there, it, the Bible doesn't say how long he stood there for. Minutes? Hours? Was he there all day? Who knows? But he stood there because why God said go. God said go. And then this 
chariot comes past. There would be travelers of all socioeconomic ages. There'd be all kinds of different people that would come past, some speeding past, some walking past. Just, you know, imagine, not, maybe not the M1, but imagine there's just a superhighway between these two centers. And this chariot comes past, and sitting in the chariot is this very nicely groomed, wealthy-looking black African, most likely black African. And there he is sitting in there with fine clothing on, looking healthy, well-manicured, beautifully ornate chariot, muscular horses dragging this chariot, people dressed as servants running alongside, maybe some up driving the horses as they went, beautifully designed luggage on the back. And this man sitting in there, and the Spirit of God says, him, quick, run up alongside that chariot. Why him? Out of all the people, why him? Philip had no idea why, but he was there on a mission from God, so he stood where he had to be and waited for the next thing to be said, and the next thing was go to that chariot. So he ran alongside that chariot and jumped in. God told me to. God told me to. Conviction changes everything. Conviction changes everything. Conviction opens our doors to kingdom agenda. It's conviction that turns a simple vocation into a mission from God. A school teacher who stands in a classroom of children can see it either way. It's a job or it's a mission. Why is it a mission? Because I've got a conviction in my heart that God has placed me here. Why has he placed you there? Well, he's going to begin to show you that the more you stand there, the more you lean into that. But I'm here because God's... I'm not just here because it came up on a skills test when I was leaving high school. It may have, but I may not be just there for that. It takes a truck driver who's driving a truck all day. If there's conviction in that truck driver's heart, then I'm on a mission from God because God has placed me there. See, the world of the kingdom first starts as a conviction in our heart. It starts as a burden in our heart. It starts as something that others may not see, but you feel. You know it's true. And if someone was to say to you, just like to Philip, why are you standing there? There might be many of you that say, well, I don't really know, but God just told me to. I don't really know. Others of you, you've, you've, conviction has been on your heart for many years. You say, I know I'm here. Not, I know God told me to, but he's told me lots of things since then. So I've, I've got a kaleidoscope of understanding now as to why God's called me here. If you're a mum and dad, if you're a student, you're an accountant, you're retired, God has a conviction for you specifically designed for your stage in life right now. God is always on mission. God is always on purpose. He's got something of the kingdom of God that only you can bring if you will hear his voice and step out in obedience. And so we have a choice to allow the spirit of God to do that and to seek those things. I want to draw four things out about being sent. Philip was sent. We too are sent. But to be sent must start from the place of conviction. Conviction transforms the mundane into a calling. Conviction is the thing that transports us and actually gives us meaning as to why this place matters, why the place I'm standing matters. It could be just a dusty desert road. It doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but it means a heck of a lot if you fill it. 
because you're there because God said. Can you imagine how that changes the way you see what's happening, the people that are going past? It's, you're not just tuning out, you're tuning in. Your alertness goes to a new level. Your sense of prayerfulness is at a new level. Why? Because you just know there's something God wants to do. Conviction. But God has sent me here. The second thing, to be sent has to be an act of surrender. Because the reality is just like Philip, when we're sent to a particular point, a particular place, at a particular time, we don't always get all the details. We don't always know what everything God is going to do. And so there's mystery in the sending. There's certainty to a point, and then there's mystery for the rest. We don't know how it's going to pan out. We don't know what the next step might be. But in the mystery is the point of surrender. See, surrender stands on the conviction that we have, looks to heaven and says, God, I don't understand it all, but I release my need to know it all. And I fill the vacuum of that with my understanding of your nature. I can trust you. You say, well, how long will I stand there for? I mean, a year before God speaks? Two? Ten? Twenty? Well, I don't know, but I know this. When we sing the song that says, God, I give you my life, that's what we're really singing, aren't we? We're actually singing, we're praying these prayers that say, my life belongs to you. What is your life but a collection of years that we get to live? And we've got to invest it in something. We're going to give it to something. So if I have to stand and wait for God to speak for a year, then I'm going to stand and wait for God to speak for a year. Where else will we go? Because if the conviction compels us to be there, then we stay where God tells us to stay. The only answer is to trust the nature of God, worship him in the tension and say, God, I know you'll show me. In the meantime, I will fellowship who you are to me. I will fellowship all you've done for me. I will remember like we've just done. And this will be my place, my wellspring. And my conviction will stay alive. Our challenge as human beings is this. Our inner world starts to fade if we don't maintain it. And the only way to maintain that inner world is for surrender to be the centerpiece of our life. The surrender. It's just another name for worship. It's just another name for letting go and letting God. It's a, there's a, probably a hundred sayings that the church has come up with over the years. You rarely get the picture, but something has to fuel the inner life. Something's got to fuel the conviction while I'm waiting for God to reveal it. I found this, that when God does reveal the next step, there's a feedback loop that happens which just energizes you. Uh, the other night, uh, we had the young adult night that uh, Sarah spoke about and people got healed. For those who, who, who wouldn't know what happened, um, Laurie Lucas had organized for the young adults to have a growth night and it was a wonderful night, so well attended. It was just young people everywhere. It was just an incredible night. Uh, standing room only as people came out to think about and pray about the gifts of God that God had given them. And there's a bunch of us asked to do some workshop groups and it was essentially, you know, they worshiped together and then it was a 40-minute time, 10-minute break, another 40-minute time and they could come and go to our workshop groups. And uh, I was talking about healing and others spoke about other things. Jason was there, a bunch of the other people were there. It was a great night. And as I was walking up to the night, I prepared my notes and thought, I'll do my 40 minutes and we'll look at what the scripture says and then the next group will come. I felt the Spirit of God say to me, 
don't teach, pray for people. Now, <laughs> uh, that might sound simple in your ears, but in my ears, I'm, I'm rationalizing. I'm going, okay, they're all young people. They're, none of them are sick. I, I can just tell you, none of them are sick. Oh, I wasn't sick when I was that old. They're not sick. You know, they're in their early 20s. You know, oh, to go back to my early 20s, you know. My head's saying that. The next thing is I've got 40 minutes. In 40, I know what it's going to be like. They're going to come in like brown cows. They're going to sit in the chairs, be talk, talk, talk. Then it's, oh, God, it's, no one's going to sing. There's no worship. There's no angels running up and down ladders. There's just no, there's no atmosphere. There's no music. I mean, how are we going to pray for the sick? Like, all this is going on in my head. Anyhow, jump over a long story. We start, the, and as I'm about to start the first group, I just feel the spirit, just very gently say, pray for them. So after 10 minutes of stalling, <laughs> I said, oh, let's, let's just pray. Who's got some pain? Who's got pain? And uh, we just went like that. And, uh, and we just prayed for people. And we prayed for eight people across the two groups. We prayed for eight people. One of them had a particular blood disorder, which we can't know straight away. So there's no way of knowing the eighth right now what happened to them but the others were in pain they actually had physical pain some couldn't move certain things one guy had a frozen shoulder where he literally just couldn't move it past that injured it somehow uh, you know and, and look as I'm standing in front of this person to be really honest with you I'm thinking well he's probably injured at playing football you know like it'll get better like just go home and take some Panadol for a while like there's this like, you know, we're humans, aren't we? And I'm, but, but the Spirit of God's saying, no, pray for him. So he's doing this. And the reality for me is he's either going to get healed or he's not. Like, you know, there's nowhere to hide. There's a group of about 30 or 40 sitting there. So we pray for this guy. I'll just tell you this one story. But he was doing these ones, and he couldn't get it past there. He'd just come from his physiotherapist. He'd come straight to the meeting from there. So they'd already worked on it. That was the best they could do. And so we prayed. And as we prayed, this is, this is what happened to his face. Was pro- I will never forget this because I was so nervous about what God may or may not do. But he literally, his hand like this, he went, oh, no, it still hurts. It still hurts. It's still... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what, what, I will never forget it because in my relief that happened... But the people, that, but, the, but the young people, this is the part for me. They literally saw that and went, wow. God, because this, you've got to understand the authenticity of the moment. He's not going to do that if he can't do it. And he's not going to tell me it doesn't hurt if it does hurt. And so it was just that night, one after the other after the other, as the Spirit of God moved. And it was just incredible to watch young people who who just came forward after we closed the workshop they kept coming out would you pray for this would you pray for this as we stood together and believes in a god that that probably 30 minutes before that they hadn't seen that god before how powerful is that why am i saying all that is because the conviction i went home that night i wound the windows down in my car as i was going down the road and I, i literally at the top of my lungs was saying god i love being a pastor in this church now, I don't often sing like that, that's not, and, and that's not often true either. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but that's the feedback, Luke, I'm talking about. For all the things we have to do that are hard and the struggle that we go through, there are moments where because we act on the call of God, 
this is obviously part of my call and you've got your call and we all do what we do in the kingdom, yeah? But my feedback loop was God moved that night. So there's something that fills my spirit again to say, God, I'm in love with you again and again and again. And that will happen for you because God knows you need to know he's with you. God knows he needs to know you need to feel his presence. God knows that you've got to get the feedback loop. Your conviction will mobilize you, but something's got to keep encouraging you. But it starts by being mobilized on that journey. The third thing I want to say is being sent is a picture of the nature of God. God is ascending God, yes, but he's also a God that sent himself. God sent himself. He is the, some theologians say he is the God who stoops. Matthew says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. I want to say something this morning that might sound a little controversial to you. I'd love you to ponder it before you throw any weapons at me. But God has decided that he cannot be God without us now. God has decided long ago that he can't be God without us. Let me unpack that even one lower deeper. Jesus can't stand before the Father without us. Not because we've told him it has to be that way, but because he's covenanted himself that way. Jesus stands as a representative of the commonwealth of humankind because he himself became part of the commonwealth of humankind. And he is part of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. God cannot be God anymore without humankind standing in the midst of that relationship. He's bound, he's covenanted himself. Now, we can see that on the grand macro picture of humankind. That's true. But take it down to your heart for a minute, to you. You're in him. You're part of him now. You can't be any closer to him. Did you know that you're as complete in him as you can be? You can't be more complete in Jesus than you are now. Now, you and I can grow in our awareness of being complete, what that means, the revelation, the depths of all that God has done. I think that's an ongoing and ever-flowing revelation that comes to us as we get closer to him. But you can't be more complete than you are because what Jesus did when he hung on the cross and he said, it is finished, he wasn't saying it's finished and then there's a few more things you all got to do. It's finished. He finished it. Now we're trying to understand it. We're trying to enter the revelation of all that he's done. There's no greater stooping than the God of the universe that's the infinite power that would take himself and reduce his inexhaustible width, breadth, and height and come as a single cell in the womb of a virgin Mary. Think about that reduction for a minute. You think about what it means to stoop from infinite power to a single cell. Because he had to come like that, otherwise he wouldn't have been born. And that cell multiplied and we end up with baby Jesus in a manger. 
That's an incredible thing. But beyond that, he goes from the throne room of heaven to stand in front of the judgment thrones of the earth while humankind, with, with all of our vitriol and anger, we nail him to the cross as if we want to disown him for doing nothing other than loving us. And then he goes from the judgment throne rooms of, of, of earth to the satanic ridicule of Hades while he stands in there for you and I. From that throne room to that throne room, going into the outer country for us, facing all that you would have to face for you. And that's the demonstration of love. And so he says to us, I sent myself, I've bound myself to you. Now will you allow me to send you? Take this message Take the hope of this kingdom and take it and show it to others. God has never said to us, you owe me. He's never said, you owe me. All he said is, I've come for you. Now will you go for me? It's an incredible, most wonderful thing we've ever seen. Today I believe that there'll be convictions that God will put in our hearts afresh. The conviction that whatever it is you're doing today, whatever vocation you've chosen, that God would be able to show you what it is that he wants to see happen for you. It'll change our lives. The second thing I'd love to jump to is the story of the eunuch. This is the person that was set free. The eunuch. We're all like the eunuch, really. And when you have a look at the story of the eunuch, you'll see your story and his story. The eunuch is reading scripture, and he's reading Isaiah 53. He's reading about Jesus, actually, the coming Messiah. But he doesn't understand that he is because the story that he's reading is the story of his own brokenness. Have a look at it. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? for his life is taken from the earth. That's the story of a eunuch. Probably a young boy taken, robbed of his manhood. The justice of that is just abhorrent to us. His descendants have been robbed from him. There's no future, there's no children possible for a eunuch. His descendants have been wiped from the earth like a lamb led to the slaughter. No one protested. No one said, no, no, not this eunuch. And this eunuch is seeing himself in Scripture. How many times have you seen yourself in Scripture? He's seeing his story in there. And so he says to Philip, who is this person that this writer is writing about? And Philip says, let me introduce you to Jesus. And now suddenly the story of Jesus has become the eunuch's story. Huh. I'm sure that eunuch in his heart has gone, why God? Why God would you let this happen to me? If you're in heaven, why would this happen? Why would this happen? If there's a justice in God, how can I be like I am today? Forget the wealth, forget the finery, forget all the luxury that he's living in. Human hearts are still human hearts. They want to know why. Here's the challenge of asking why, is there's rarely an answer. There's rarely an answer. In fact, I've found over many years of ministry that God never really answers why he changes the question. And that's what he did for the eunuch. The eunuch, perhaps in his heart, was saying, why God? But 
the Holy Spirit came alongside him in the form of Philip and said, I want to redeem your question. I want to show you how out of what you feel was suffering, God is going to take that and he's going to use it in a way that you've never dreamed. If you lift your eyes, stop asking the question and see what I'm trying to do. Did you know that eunuch went on then to take the gospel to Africa, the first evangelist ever, as the gospel went to a new continent? Just because of that moment. Why God will lead us to the place of self-pity only. And as a pastor, I, look, hear me. I, th- there's a moment where that's really comforting. Self-pity. My life, my lot. And it's tempting and our soul wants to indulge itself in there. But can I plead with you this morning by faith that all of us have got our why God stories here. But at the end of the self-pity, there is no breakthrough. There is no answer. It's a revolving question that will go over and over in your head. The answer is not why God. The answer is, is what's next, God? What's next, God? What are, what are you doing with the story I have? How is it you're breathing your redemptive power through me? And God will change your narrative supernaturally, mightily, powerfully. God always has a next step. God always has a next step. He always has a next step. The God who stoops didn't just come to deal with our sin. He didn't just come to deal with our sin. He came because we'd forgotten what manner of existence we were. We'd forgotten that we were created in the image of him. We'd forgotten what that image even looked like. We didn't know what it meant to be sons and daughters of God. We got so estranged from the idea. We got so estranged that we couldn't even reimagine who God would be. And so Jesus came and Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. If you understand me, what I say is the Father's words. What I do are the Father's actions. I am the exact representation of him. Jesus is. So if you see what I do, you'll know what the Father's heart is. You can trust that heart. He came, he journeyed into the depths of our despair, to the outer regions of the dead, into our worst fears, into our separation, and he overcame it all. He led captivity captive, the Bible says. And that's why we worship him. And that's why he is not just our savior, but he is a prototype of the freedom, of the sonship and daughtership that God is is wanting to birth in our hearts. And he's okay with it. The part inside that screams out and says, no, am I worthy? God says, you are, because I say you are. You are complete, because I say you are. Total and utter victory. The illusion of our alienation and our separation is only that. It is a lie of the enemy. We are not alienated from God. We are not. We are not. God would not have it that way. When Adam sinned, I think we have to come to the place, church, at some point where we see what Jesus achieved was far greater than what Adam did. Sometimes I think we camp around the story of Adam more than we camp around the story of Jesus. Jesus. 
the latter was far greater than the former. And he calls us into that place. This morning, I'd love us to pray for some people. Would you bow your heads with me and just close your eyes? I want us to have enough time that God could move this morning. I had this picture, while your eyes are closed and heads bowed, I had this picture this last week of just these little, it's almost like little love bombs from heaven, if you could picture that in your head, just falling onto people's lives and hearts. And it was compelling as I was praying for this morning that God has got, wants to renew some things in people's hearts. If you've been in a place where you've wondered what is the purpose, you felt at some point God had said, look, I want you to do this and go there, but somehow the conviction of it has waned. I think God's gonna renew that conviction today. God's gonna renew it. Others of you, it might be time for you to shift and God wants to get your attention. There's a conviction that God will put on your heart about taking that next step. And I think even more than that, there are those here this morning, there's a new story. There's a new story for you. If you're listening to us online this morning, I would encourage you to respond in your heart, wherever you are. If you're sitting in your lounge room right now, open your heart, open your hands. If it's possible to do, close your eyes and begin to receive from the Lord. As we pray in this room, you receive in your room, wherever you are, as we minister together this morning I love us to do this this morning could we so that people can respond I don't want to have too many restrictions I'm not asking you to come to the front but I'd love you to respond by standing where you are if this morning you say that's for me that's for me I need a renewal of conviction in my life I want to know what my purpose is in God I knew it once I'm not so sure now, or maybe I just needed to, to just that sense of faith to be re-injected again. God's got something for you. Don't be happy with just the routine of it. God wants to refresh it. It's not so much that we have to live on adrenaline all the time. That's not what I'm saying but there's a purposefulness inside us that we know if we have or we don't. And I feel the ache of the Spirit this morning to say, I, there's some people, they're gonna get something from me. If that's you, would you stand where you are? Just stand. We won't labor the point. We're gonna just pray as a whole family together today. As you stand, what you're saying is you're just opening your heart to Him and saying, I'm standing, God, before you because my prayer is in my stand. When I stand, it's a prayer. As others of you this morning and the renewal that you're asking God for is the story. There's a why me story that has captivated you for too long. It's time to shift it now. It's time to move away from that. Let God put his faith in your heart. Whatever has happened, God wants to speak into the midst of it and show you some purpose, show you his power. Fill your heart with joy. Just a few more moments as those consider whether this is your time to stand. Just a few more moments. Just a few more moments. Wonderful Jesus, wonderful God. 
Wonderful God. Wonderful God. Wonderful God. Church family, just, just reach your hand towards people that are standing. Just, if you can, release some faith. Stand with me in seeing these little bombs of convictions, little blessings from heaven that I just saw in my heart as I pray. Father, this morning, in obedience to you, God, we position ourselves to receive from you. Our standing is us recognizing, God, that we want you to come and meet our need. We want you to come speak to us, open our hearts, renew the conviction of our lives again. God, let purpose begin to pulse again in a different way. God, would you tell us where to go, what place to stand in? God, that we would be the people that submit to you and serve you, see your kingdom come. Father, I pray for the release of faith today. Release faith in people's lives. Release faith over people's lives. Release faith in Jesus' name. Release faith in Jesus' name. Those that are online in their homes, release faith into those living rooms, into those lounge rooms today in Jesus' name. Father, just let faith begin to grow across our people. Father, we thank you. We receive from you. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Could the rest of the family, let's just stand together with those that are standing this morning. We're going to sing to the Lord. Just before we do, just about a week ago, God just dropped a little phrase into my heart. It said, for the glory of His name. Because I feel like God's going to do something over this time of prayer and fasting as we, as a church, as we move into Easter. Something, God is doing something in the earth fresh. And I want to inspire you and encourage you to press into what God's doing. Lean into God in this season. Lean into Him. Just open your heart to Him. If it just means just a few more times of worship a week, do it. Just lean into what God is doing at the moment. You know, we look at Asbury over there and we see students who just won't leave the chapel and others that want to press in and get involved. And the thing that's on the testimony of everyone's lips and say, what's going on in there? Why is it that you don't want to leave? What's happening inside that chapel? And mostly the testimony is this. The peace of God is so compelling. We don't want to leave. We just feel the peace of God every time we're in there and we just want to stay in it. And it shouldn't surprise us. The world has been through COVID. It's been through so much anxiety and turmoil and uncertainty. And I admit you, if you were to count all the prayers of the earth that have gone to heaven over the last four or five years, the key thought would be, God, I'm so anxious, help me. It shouldn't surprise us that God pours out His peace and says, I hear you, here, here. Yeah, come on, let's sing. If that's what you need from heaven this morning, let's grab it from God.
encourage us, be, be praying for tomorrow night. For, if you can possibly make tomorrow night to our prayer and healing night, I would love you to come. Love you to come. But what I think, we don't really have an agenda other than we want to come worship a bit. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the face of God. We know that nothing will happen unless God shows up. So really, it's just about waiting on Him. We will pray for people that have pain. We will pray for those that are sick that are here. I don't know what order it'll happen in or when it'll happen, but we will pray. But we're also going to wait on God. We're just going to ask Him to just move amongst us. You know, if, if peace is what we need, then let's let the God of peace come and meet where we are. Let's meet with Him, I should say. But, you know, we're just going to let God be God, yeah? And if you'd like to be a part of that, I'd love you to come. If you feel like you've got a gift of healing or you know, prophecy or whatever, please come because there'll be a microphone there. We'll, we want to hear what God's got to say to us. We'll make sure we open that up to that to happen. Uh, and we'd love you to pray over people too. It won't be just something we just direct from the front. There'll be others that'll be praying on the night. But if you can't make it, can I ask you tomorrow night, just pray that God would move. We'll see something happen. You know, never despise the place of small beginnings, the Bible says. Who knows? what God could start tomorrow night that could just be something that this city needs to see. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to limit the fact it might, but uh, we're going to come expectant. So if you can be with us, please do. We'll be in this room at seven. Uh, look, if the prayer team could come, those that would like prayer, we'd love to pray with you today. If there's something specifically, our prayer team would love to meet that need. Otherwise, see you tomorrow night or see you next Sunday. God bless. We'd love to know what God has been saying to you as you've prayed, come Holy Spirit. You can connect with us at gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know how Jesus is changing your life.